Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. Welcome to 2022. This year, I'm hoping to increase episode length, sound quality and bring some new things to the Patreon and the podcast. This week, I'm looking at a conspiracy theory that became a meme and even had an event on Facebook. That's right, I'm looking at Area 51. In the Nevada desert, an Air Force base can be found. It's 85 miles north of Las Vegas, in the dry bed of Lake Gru. Just off Route 95, the base can be found. Area 51 isn't the only place here. The base is separated into multiple areas. Area 51 is mysterious for some reason. The airspace around areas 51 and 13 are restricted but the other areas aren't restricted at all. Let's go back to the beginning. When was Area 51 created and why? In 1955, during the Cold War, Area 51 was built as a testing and development facility for aircraft. This included the U-2 and the SR-17 reconnaissance planes. It was completed and opened in 1955, but was kept a secret. The secrecy likely had something to do with the spy planes being developed there, but that's part of the mystery. In 2013, the CIA officially acknowledged the existence of Area 51 and, four months afterwards, President Obama mentioned it publicly. The creation of Area 51 was a reaction to a couple of things. After World War II, the Soviet Union created an intelligence blackout by drawing the Iron Curtain across Eastern Europe, leaving the United States in the dark about what was going on behind it. Then, in 1950, North Korea invaded South Korea and the Soviets back to the North. To the US, This move showed that the Kremlin would continue to try and push its influence out as time went on. The USSR's technology, intentions and ability to launch a surprise attack worried the US, so they began to send out low-flying aircraft to perform reconnaissance on the USSR, but were constantly risking being shot down. To mitigate some of the risk, President Eisenhower approved the development of the top-secret U-2 programme in 1954. This programme began the development of the high-altitude reconnaissance plane, the U-2. For this development to happen, they would have to find somewhere remote to develop and test their new technology. They decided on the salt flats of Groom Lake, which had already been used as an aerial gunnery range in World War II. The site was top secret, and so nobody knew of it or what it was meant to do. In order to get people to work there, Kelly Johnson, a famous aeronautical engineer, 
referred to the space as Paradise Ranch. In 1955, when the testing began, there were immediately reports of unidentified flying objects in the area. These sightings were detailed in a 1992 CIA report. This report was declassified in 1998 with redactions and then released in full in 2013. A lot of the sightings were observed by commercial airline pilots who had never seen an aircraft fly at such altitude before. Nowadays, commercial airlines can fly at 45,000 feet. However, in the 1950s, planes only flew at altitudes between 10 and 20,000 feet. Military craft could get to 40,000 feet and people believed it was impossible to fly higher than that. Then the U-2 was developed, boasting an altitude of 60,000 feet and above. Of course, the Air Force knew about the majority of these sightings. They also knew the aircrafts weren't unidentified. The problem was the classified information involved. The Air Force couldn't reveal the truth, so they began to use excuses. The sightings were explained away as natural phenomena or high altitude weather research. This became important in 1960 when a U-2 was shot down over Russia. U-2 research ended in the late 1950s, but Area 51 continued to be used to research and develop other reconnaissance and stealth aircrafts, such as the A-12, the F-117A, and the SR-71 Blackbird. More documents that had been declassified mentioned that the Soviet MiGs had been covertly obtained and they tested them against US fighters. They learned that the US fighters couldn't turn as fast as the MiGs, but could outspeed them. Lastly, in 2017, a lieutenant colonel in the US Air Force died under mysterious circumstances after his plane crashed in the Nevada desert and the Pentagon didn't immediately identify the aircraft. It's believed that the aircraft was a foreign jet obtained by the US. Part of the mystery behind Area 51 comes from the lack of information behind it. Until recently, there weren't even any aerial photos of it. Until 1989, that wasn't an issue. It was off limits and that mattered. Until Bob Lazar did an interview on Las Vegas local news. In the interview, he claimed that he'd seen aliens and had helped to reverse engineer spacecrafts while working at the base. This claim received backlash from people who work with Area 51, who dismissed the claims as fiction and were offended by the idea of it. Unfortunately for them, it piqued the interest of a lot of people and began one of the most well-known conspiracy theories of the Western world. Over the years, this interest has become part of pop culture, with Area 51 appearing in the X-Files and Independence Day, but also having multiple conspiracists speaking but also having multiple conspiracists speaking about it. John Lear, 
a pilot and heir to Learjet, talked about aliens being studied in an underground laboratory. The story gets more bizarre, with Leah saying that the aliens are fed abducted children and mutilated cattle. He also said that the facility was built with help from aliens and described the aliens as greys. This was in 1987, and shortly afterwards, Leah met Lazar, eventually referring him to the journalist who interviewed him. Earlier than that, in 1980, a book was released that tapped into the paranoia of the occult at the time. This book alleged that the compound was a cover-up for UFO research, bringing up the underground labs for the first time, but not attaching them specifically to Area 51. Much later, in 2011, another book was released that utilised interviews and historical records to compile a researched uh, history of the site. This book ended with the claim that Nazi doctors had surgically enlarged the heads of abducted teenagers on the orders of Joseph Stalin. These teenagers were then forced to fly in flying saucers over the US to scare the citizens. This links to the Roswell incident, with the teenagers crashing in New Mexico before being transported to Area 51. There's absolutely no evidence of this though, so it's just a wild story. Area 51 is off limits to the general public. Understandably so, since it's a military base. But after the Lazar interview, it became one of the most mysterious places on the planet. People would travel there to see if they could catch a glimpse of flying saucers and alien autopsies. These people would also try and get into the compound to prove the existence of the purported underground lab that Area 51 sits on top of. Any attempt to get close is actually illegal and anyone who tries to trespass is apprehended and given to law enforcement for prosecution. There was a renewed interest in Area 51 in recent years. UFO sightings were reported at an incredible rate, with some even being reported by reputable members of the US Navy. The US Congress even looked into sightings reported by US Navy pilots. Nothing was confirmed, but that doesn't mean that it was nothing. The June 20th, 2019 episode of the Joe Rogan Experience published an interview with Lazar and Jeremy Corbell, a filmmaker. In the interview, Lazar repeats the information given in his 1989 interview and embellishes it. Between the interviews, it was discovered that Lazar had fabricated a lot of information about his life. When speaking to Rogan, He adds details to explain the fabrications, even claiming that the government had removed his birth certificate, employment records, and college transcripts from public record. The Joe Rogan interview was conducted at the same time that the Corbell documentary, Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Sources, released on Netflix. The documentary itself was critically panned for a lack of skepticism towards Lazar's claims and Corbell backs Lazar's claims in the Rogan interview. 
Corbell believes that Lazar is a trailblazer in the search for alien technology. The Rogan interview awed some fans, which led to the creation of the meme. It was the first time a lot of people had even heard of the original Lazar interview, and the first they knew of his story. Matty Roberts listened to the interview and came up with the Storm Area 51 event on Facebook. The event grew rapidly and spawned a festival in Rachel, Nevada called Alien Stock. Taking place on September 20th, 2019, Storm Area 51 happened. Based on all the hype the event got on the internet and the tagline, they can't stop all of us, it wasn't as big as it was made out to be. As the date loomed, many dropped out of going to the event. It was set to take place out in the Nevada desert and talks were happening in both Rachel and Hiko, which likely caused people to decide that they didn't want to go out there for a couple of things. The setting for the event and its location weren't ideal and planning was poor. Aside from the planned talks, there was live music in Rachel, but not much else. Due to the strict rules surrounding Area 51, nobody ever got close to it, although two Dutch YouTubers had been arrested beforehand for trespassing. Roberts had bailed on the plan two weeks before the event, and the town of Rachel had stepped up to try to continue on with the plans. Roberts transitioned his original plan to a party in Las Vegas. There was even special edition Bud Light that came out with the Vegas party. Of the two million people who said they would attend Alien Stock, only around 6,000 actually attended. The 54 residents of Rachel mostly wanted to be left alone, but those who attended believed it was successful and a nice way to end the summer. Now that we've gone through the mystery surrounding Area 51, let's look at some of the things that were said and some of the theories posited by the story. first thing I'm going to address is the conspiracy theory aspect to this week's episode. I like this conspiracy because it's fun. Before this episode, I didn't actually know all that much about Area 51. Just that it was a place that was supposed to have aliens in it. It's been quite fun looking into its history and some of the crazy stuff that people have said about it. I don't know if I believe there's aliens there but it would be a bad conspiracy if it didn't make people wonder. So, let's begin with the underground laboratory below the compound. There's not really any evidence to back this theory up. Just a lot of people stating it as fact and leaving it at that. The theory didn't even originate in a space with Area 51. It was just attached later with another theory. It's very unlikely that there's an underground lab filled with aliens and their technology. The next theory we have is currently my favourite, but not because it seems likely. It's quite the opposite. 
It's the Nazi Doctor and Joseph Stalin theory. It's really out there. Firstly, the Roswell incident happened in 1947. Area 51 didn't exist back then. So what did they do with the wreckage between 1947 and 1955? Also, what was Stalin doing with Nazi scientists and flying saucers? The weirdest part of the theory is the head-expanding surgery. What would that entail? Why would that be the decision? It just doesn't make any sense, and there's no documented evidence of any of it. Big heads on aliens seems like such a Western thing, and I find it difficult to believe this theory. I couldn't end this episode without talking about the Lazar interviews. It just seems really shallow. The original 1989 interview had almost no information and just claims. It wasn't until later that it gained steam. The discovery of potentially fabricated information about Lazar's past caused him to add more to the story. It wasn't until the documentary and subsequent Joe Rogan interview that he was really more than just a person making wild claims. It just seems really convenient to me. But I can't say it's lies because I don't have anything to disprove it. All in all, this one's a difficult one. As much as I want to believe the alien stories, the evidence just isn't there for it. Due to its status as a conspiracy theory, Google Scholar was once again no help to me this week. But learning about the military base was interesting. The theories were wild and had nothing holding them together at all. As the X-Files catchphrase goes, I want to believe, but I'm not sure about this one. If you want to go and visit Area 51, don't go to the actual base. Head to Route 375, the extraterrestrial highway, and visit Rachel, Nevada to see the Alien Research Centre and the Little Alien. There's also the Alien Cat House and an Alien-themed brothel. Geocaching is also quite big there, with over 2,000 caches hidden in the area. Remember though, it's a desert. Bring plenty of water, food, and wear appropriate clothing for the day and the night. This week's story came from a popular mechanics article called The Real Story Behind the Myth of Area 51 and two Vox articles, one called Area 51 and Aliens, The Myth, The Meme and The Strange Reality Explained, and the other called Storm Area 51 Weekend had neither raids nor aliens, but it wasn't a bust. Theories from the episode came from the previous articles and a BBC article called What is Area 51 and What Goes On There? References for the episodes and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, you can currently find me on Facebook at What The Heck Mystery Podcast, Instagram at WT Heck Podcast, and you can also support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash What The Heck Podcast. 
Just £3 a month will get you access to the unedited versions of the episodes, so you can hear all the mess-ups I make while recording. I'm also going to start uploading the transcripts so you can read the stories too. I would have made it lower, but the tiers begin at £3, so that was the lowest I could go. More tiers will be added as we go, and as I find more things to share with you outside of the episodes. If you want to pledge more than £3 a month, you're more than welcome to, and I'll have to find something extra special just for anyone who does. I've also set up an email address, watchtheheckpod3 at gmail.com. I'd like you to send in your stories of the unexplained so I can read them out in secondary episodes. But if you have any issues with my phrasing or think some of the things that I said are insensitive, please don't be afraid to let me know and I'll address them in episodes as I record them. Thank you.